back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast, and I am your host, as always, Austin. Got another episode for you guys this week. Uh, I would say this one is even cooler than normal in that uh, my guest this week is Justin Day. He is a instructor uh, for Finest Hour LLC. He's you know owner founder of Finest Hour, but he's here in Michigan, uh, so that allows us to have a fairly unique conversation around the culture and the environment and the community here in the the great mitten state um, as well as getting into talking you know briefly about uh, he's his site uh, it will actually be where we are able to pull together uh, the class that I've been working so hard to bring to Michigan with Orion training group later this year um, and I've gotten several questions about it. So I believe the target date is the last weekend in September um, at Not Just Guns, which I think is in Mason, Michigan. For anybody looking, it's going to be a three-day course. Um, you know, Obviously, keep an eye on the Orion Training Group website and their Instagram for more information on that. But that's uh, Justin's The Connection there. Solid dude who's done a whole bunch of stuff. He doesn't really put out his resume. Um, but we get into all of that in the discussion today and there's just, there's so much there. We get into all kinds of stuff from, you know, from training and shooting, uh, to community and culture and and fitness. Just, I mean, honestly, it it goes all over the place. Uh, and, and seriously, somebody that I just had a, we had a great conversation and he guys are really going to dig it. I, I could go on and on, but, um, you know, then what would we have to listen to? So before I get over to that, got to say thank you to our presenting sponsors here at Prepared Mindset. First, Midwest Gunworks. Guys, head over to MidwestGunworks.com. First and foremost, discount code PREPAREDMINDSET. All one word. It's going to save you 5% off your order. Midwest Gunworks has been in business since 1997. They're an online gun retailer that sells Everything from full firearms all the way down to the parts and components used to build your your AR, replacement parts, optics, lights, whatever you guys need. They hooked me up and sent me, you know, some surefire lights. I needed a heavier buffer. They got that stuff in stock, no problem. So whether you're looking to upgrade that AR that you bought off the shelf a couple years ago, maybe a new barrel, new handguard or whatever. Uh, maybe you're looking to finish a build. You need to pick up a bolt carrier group. Maybe you need a full upper, full lower. Whatever you guys need, head over to MidwestGunWorks.com. Check out what they got going on in stock. Again, our discount code, Prepared Mindset, will save you 5% off your order total. Secondly, need to say thank you to 100 Concepts. Guys, Jonah and team over at 100, Garrett, all those guys, <clears throat> do an outstanding work bringing you guys super cool products that are at an ultra-affordable price point, and they're going to maximize your efficiency, your effectiveness, your capabilities. They started out with their light caps. They moved on to scope caps in the same design, just a really, really versatile design. You know, it just awesome stuff going on with that. From there, they've launched into their other products, things like their chem light kit, their pack scrim and helmet scrim. Awesome company doing awesome things to address camouflage in general, which is something that we all need to be more aware about. <clears throat> their, their motto is do good, be dangerous and live free. Guys, that's the values you want in any company. Definitely worth supporting and watch as they unroll new products. They sent me out a uh, super top secret prototype that I have been testing out, which is really cool because that's never happened to me before. But head over to 100concepts.com, check on everything that they have going. You can even pick up a new Rain 3.0 from Cloud Defensive. Also need to say thank you to LARP Labs. 
Guys, I know that we we just finished talking about camouflage. Painting your rifle is part of that, but I know that we're oftentimes very hesitant to paint right. Uh, you know, our lights, our lasers, and our optics when we're painting our rifle because we don't want to get paint somewhere it shouldn't be, whether it's a turret or you know a lens for your laser, a lens for your optic. Right? You don't want to void your warranty on some of those things. Check out LARP Labs. They have custom computer cut 3m vinyl and they hooked you guys up with discount code prepared mindset for 10 percent off your order at larplabs.com super durable 3m vinyl three-year outdoor shelf life no sticky residue this stuff's not going to peel this is top shelf stuff you guys are really really going to like it whether it's for your handheld lights your optics your weapon lights your lasers your pvs 14 head on over to larplabs.com one more time prepared mindset is the code to save 10 percent off Last and definitely not least here is active carry. Guys, we talk about medical a lot. We talk about it in this discussion today with Justin. Medical is important. It's profoundly important, especially when looking at how little people value it and how little people carry it. Head on over to activecarrytech.com. You can check out their Blazer IFAC, their Gamma Kit, their breacher dangler kit. If you're looking for something to run on your plate carrier, I run a dangler. That's where my med goes. Okay. Maybe you need something more discreet, whether you're an undercover officer or somebody that is just on the move throughout the day and needs to carry medical components with them. You can check out their guardian ankle kit. Great, great option. If none of those that I just rattled off work for you, if they're still missing something, they have a custom kit builder option. Again, head over to activecarrytech.com, use discount code PMP10 to save 10% off. Whether you're buying a full kit, a tourniquet, some gauze, some chest seals, whatever you need, Active Carry has you covered. Check it out today. Okay. So, like I said, my guest this week uh, for the episode is Justin Day. He is the owner, founder of Finest Hour LLC, a Michigan-based training company. We have an absolutely awesome conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. I'm going to quit talking about it and just get straight to it so you guys can start enjoying. Here we go. Justin, thanks for coming on, buddy. How you doing? Good, yeah. Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Happy to be able to get together. I know you've got a lot going on. Uh, I, For whatever reason, I've said this to other guests too. Uh, every day that I, it's like the universe knows every day I have guests on the end of my work day. Uh, it just saves everything for the last like hour and a half and then unloads on me. So <laughs> this is, that's... this is, this is nice. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited and, and honestly just happy to be able to have a conversation with you as somebody somebody else in the state that kind of understands a little bit more of like what we're dealing with here. Um, from the training aspect, uh, the culture aspect here in the state. And, um, and maybe this is the same in some other places. I don't know. I know a lot of States have it really good, like Tennessee and Texas, like obviously great firearms training everywhere. Um, Michigan, not so much, uh, you know, contrary to what people would think given how like deer hunting here is like a national holiday, but you, you would think we would have more firearm stuff going on in the state than what we do. Um, and I know that, you're, you're part of that effort, right. With what you do with, with finest hour. Um, so can we start there? Can you just introduce yourself to the audience and talk a little bit about what you got going on, man? Yeah. Um, my name is Justin day owner of finest hour. Um, finest hour is a Michigan based, um, firearms, medical training company. 
Uh, we do cl- classes. We host occasionally. Um, we try to stick to mid-Michigan or, or Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, even though we're going to be down in Tennessee probably this year. Um, we, I really, I'm starting to um, leverage more of the coaching aspect. I, I would say private lessons are 50% of my business now. Whereas oh, wow. the last couple of years haven't been, because I think a lot of people are like, Hey, I want to spend money for class. Um, versus you're like, well, I could be spending that much money on private lessons or start getting into like a coaching type setup, like a coaching plan. And I think see, people are starting to see value in that, especially when they're looking at saving money on ammo or leveraging airsoft or dry fire, whatever it may be. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept, I think, because for so long there, right. It was, I have to go to this class, you know, I have to find, you know, whatever popular instructor, I have to wait for them to come around. I have to go to this class. And I've, and I've, I've talked about it with, you know, some other guests and, uh, for, for what is, was charged for some of those, you know, those big name guys. And then you, you get on the firing line and there's 45 people in two instructors. (laughs) Did it, did it for a long time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so, so are you maximizing your bang for buck? You know, uh, I mean, and get it, and given you want to give those opportunities to people that want to learn, right? Um, but as a student, people, like you said, people are are trying to make sure they're allocating funds the right way. You know, cost of ammo and and everything. It really wasn't the 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 one on one coaching and private lesson stuff. Uh, for whatever reason, I think just took it took a long time to start catching on. You're seeing a lot more of it now, I think, um, which is weird because like I come from a music background, and that was like that was everything like got to get in private right. lessons. Got to get that one-on-one time weekly, you know? Um, so I'm happy to see that that's actually gaining traction in the firearms world. Cause there's a lot of parallels, you know, if you're talking about performance-based outcomes and, uh, and, and training and, and things right. like that, and personal achievement and development, I think that's the, probably the best way to go, honestly. Well, and that's, it's weird. Cause there's pros and cons to each, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I did that obviously for a living for three, four years, traveling nationally, teaching those big classes. There is something to be said about being in a class among other people, puts you, it formally puts you in that student role. Um, so there is something to be said about that. But at the same time, like I tell people right now, when somebody's like, Hey, I want to pay for this class or I want to pay for uh, a real expensive, like private day. And you're like, okay, how often? Well, just one time you're like, well, you want you want to go to your your local gym and hire a strength and conditioning coach to teach you how to bench for four hours and then never see him again. You'd be like, yeah. "Hey, what should I be doing? Should I be, you know, what does my plan look like? Dry fire Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, locate three hundred rounds for live fire on Friday, and then um, maybe every three weeks go meet with your mentor, your your instructor, whoever it is, to get eyes on what you're doing and where you're going." I mean, I, I, we get students that just want to dump a bunch of money. And I mean, I got guys that come up from Indiana and Ohio monthly for private lessons. So it's like, it's awesome because people are getting into, and, and I look at it from a, um, what really unlocked this for me was when I started doing Ironmans, like a, tri, a training plan, a triathlon training plan. Like you're doing this, this day, this, this day. And then if you need to video something and send it to your coach for tweaking, awesome. But it's... Um, I made a video last night talking about it and it's kind of like, I, I relate it to like fatherhood. You should be t- teaching somebody and phasing yourself out. You should be teaching them, putting them on a plan, showing them how they're yeah. growing. And then eventually, eventually, um, I mean, sure. They can come out once or twice a year to take like a fundamentals class and just bump up on their, uh, on whatever they're working on. But for the most part, you should be phasing yourself out 
because you're teaching them how to do these repetitions and how to get better at doing something and how to, how you're training to be better. If that makes right. sense. And well, yeah. Cause I mean, you get to a certain point and, of, and you, you, your point, right. You, you should be teaching how to self-diagnose to an extent, not yes. off, the, not off the bat. Right. But eventually, you know, like I said, in music or shooting or, or anything really, there, there becomes a developed understanding and you can start, okay, yeah, I dropped that shot, you know, or, Oh, I pulled that left. And instead of going, okay, why did you do that? You know? And then it's like, ah, yeah, I just, Hey, my grip was a little soft. Hey, I was rushing it. I was pushing it, whatever. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's something I think that builds more fundamentally solid shooters, which, uh, you know, I think we need more of, especially in, I'll say in the context here of Michigan, um, but in general, right. Fundamentals are so important and I don't think, I don't think anybody would, would argue that. Um, but it's also, and, and, you know, I don't know what your experience has been, but in a lot of cases, it's what the, what people want to skip, right. Nobody wants to spend time, oh, yeah. nope, you know, nope. on the fundamentals. They want to go straight to, Hey, when I do the, the, you know, speed reloads, Hey, when am I doing, uh, you know, courses of fire and mag dumps. And it's like in several months, like you're not right. even ready right. for, that. you know, it's so far right. down the line. And that's what I tell people because we get people that message me like, hey, can we jump? Can we skip your fundamentals class and jump into your advanced class? And they're like, oh, you, you can, but you got to understand like our, our advanced class, we start at like 50 yards with pistols. If you've never made a 50 yard pistol shot, you're probably going to be having a rough day. You can do whatever you want, but you got to understand that you're going to be regretting some decisions. And it's funny because you get in these are like our annual like level one classes. And everybody's like, well, there's some legit shooters here. You're like, yeah, those are the, those are the people that come back and these are the classes that they want. They want to work on the individual skills, which is funny because that's the whole, you know, competition versus um, tactical guys right now in the industry. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you know, you can sit here and hammer fundamentals all the time, but you're better off just going doing a lot by volume. And you're like, um, you could sway without getting into that conversation. You could sway one way or the other, like, um, I think that the, I articulate it to the uh, um, the meme of John Daly and Tiger Woods looking at each other at the PGA. One guy is very scientific and one guy is just kind of winged it. And neither of them are wrong because they're sitting at the same table. Right. It, well, and it's just, yeah, it's two paths to the same point. Um, right. It just depends how you want to, how you want to handle it, but then understanding that <clears throat> there could be some additional implications, you know, John Daly right. being quite a bit older than Tiger Woods. Uh, right. doing it his way and it's like you're still going to get there it may take you twice as long and right. you know uh but that, that's a really good comparison actually and i think um I, I mean i think we're starting to get that that buy-in you know in the community it's starting mm -hmm. to be cool to work on fundamentals again um and it's something i think it, it's awesome to hear you have guys coming back doing that like self-audit mm -hmm. once a year once every six months if they shoot a lot or something just where's it breaking down? Cause eventually if you're only focusing right on your high level skills, uh, the fundamentals do to some degree deteriorate. It's always good to just check in, even if it is just a six hour class or a refresher or, you know, something like that. Um, and it's, and, it's needed. And that's kind of where I, um, for me, like when I first started teaching, I wasn't shooting cause I was teaching. Then I realized I'm like, Oh, you got to demo everything. You've got to shoot. Like when I have students that are like jamming mags, I'm up on the range getting reps in because otherwise I just don't. And so for me, I'm at like a maintenance level because I'm, I'm not trying to compete, but I have certain standards and proficiencies. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I have, uh, you know, trying to stay within the realm of a, a sub second draw. So if I'm like one, one twenty, I'm cool with that. 
my reloads. I just need to feel good. Just getting some repetitions into where I'm like a maintenance level. But then you look at that back at like um, fitness, right? A lot of people get to a certain level of a certain base. Like I can go rip a marathon right now and I'm not even training for one, right? Like, cause that's just my, my base level of fitness. And I think people do that with firearms. Like I get guys and that's why we try to, um, when you do our sales for black Friday, we try to get it like buy two, get one free because we know people that are budgeting for like a level one carbine class. And then like a level two handgun class. So they schedule one spring and fall, they budget their ammo, they schedule for the rest of the year. Um, and so we've got a lot that come back for that. And like, I always tell people, if I quit finest hour and I went and sold insurance tomorrow, I would still do a level one handgun and a level one carbine just for my own personal needs, having to just like fundamentally be able to, um, for me, it helps to teach people for me to learn. Yeah. So, and, and because you brought it up, how, so how did you end up? with finest hour with, with creating this, like what, what led you down the, the road to getting into teaching? It's always a fascinating uh, question for a lot of people. So it's kind of funny because you actually look at my website, I don't do a bio and it's because mm-hmm. um, my background who I worked with, I see a lot of people chasing down SEAL team six guys and big names. and want to check that box. And well, that's so because I'm always been... you're guaranteed to learn more from those guys, right? That's how right, that works. Right, right, right. So I, I typically don't do that. And then like, I have a lot of people that like back me and support me. And I'm, I'm always the kind of guy that would rather under promise and then over deliver. You show up to my class. Yeah. I will show you why you want to take a class with me and why you want to shoot me and what I have to offer. And that's it. I don't want to try to oversell myself. Um, and so a lot of people think that I'm trying to like cheat or get around, like not having certain credentials or having the correct background or anything. And I'm like, again, at the end of the day, like, I'm about ready to put a, a bio on there and just says, just an NRA instructor. Like, what would people think? People would be like, well, how are you? You're either selling snake oil or you actually might know what you're doing. So it's um, it's kind of funny because I'll, I'll give you my full background and everything. But we were in um, – actually, I'll do it right now. So I actually started as a paramedic, been doing – was a paramedic for 15 years. Uh, probably halfway into that, I'm like, man, you know, I – I want to do something else. I'm a really good paramedic. I want to do something in the firearms tactical realm. So I want to be a SWAT paramedic. So I had a couple of buddies that were at the sheriff's department. One of them reached out, kind of headhunted me and was like, hey, we're going to add paramedics to the SWAT team. Um, You would be obviously our our first choice. And then they're like, but we don't know when this is going to happen. I'm like, okay, well, I better go learn how to shoot a gun. That might be So I sign up. Yeah. So I signed up for a Haley strategic class. First class I ever took. Jump headfirst into one in Michigan. So... Sign up for the class. And it's funny because on my way to that class, and if this is like during like the Magpul days, oh, during yeah. the panic of like 08, where out you're buying, I spent like $1,000 on a case of 556. And I'm trying to like get to this class and I'm on my way there. And I'm like, you know, everybody's all googly about this company. I don't really care what they teach. I feel like any monkey can teach you how to shoot a gun. I want to know what makes them successful from a, a mindset standpoint. You know, what, what makes HSP popular? So I'm like, that's what I, well, that's what I want to take away from this. I don't really care. I, I feel like I could take any class yeah. for somebody to teach me how, how to hold a gun. Right. So go down there, end up hitting it off with him and end up starting to work for him three, four years later, traveling nationally for three, four years teaching firearms. Oh, you so worked I with spent, Travis? Yeah. I worked for four years traveling for HSP. So that's really cool. (laughs) Right. So it's kind of something like, I don't, I don't really advertise it, but even then 
you look at that. So um, I ended up getting on SWAT team. I was on the team for seven years. Right when COVID hit up, um, I was at like the height of my drinking, chewing tobacco, you name it. Um, I stopped showing up to stuff on SWAT for like a year. So they end up bumping me off the team. I end up stepping away from working in EMS. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to disappear for a year or two and just straighten my shit out. Right. So I quit chewing like three years ago, quit drinking two years ago. Um, lost 50 pounds. I do Ironmans, ultra marathons now. Um, but going back to, um, working for HSP, we're down in Ohio. I think, I don't remember where we were. We had a, we had a active dude from fifth group in class and we invited him out to lunch or dinner afterwards. And I ended up sitting next to him and we're sitting at the bar having a beer and he looks at me and he's like, so what's your background? How'd you get here? I'm like, I have no fucking clue, man. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm a paramedic that started working for HSP. I'm really passionate about what I do. I geek out on fundamentals and sports performance and coaching and that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, dude, it's amazing. Cause you're really helpful. You're helping me on my, on my grip and my draw. And he's like, whatever you're doing, it's working. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. That's, you know what I mean? that's, like, that's great that to blow, hear. Yeah. Right. To blow. To, I mean, for somebody to be on leave, from that realm. Right. And, and that was kind of one of my first couple of classes where you start getting to work with dudes on the military side of stuff. Um, as, as, as I don't have experience or background in that. Right. Whereas like Travis and Bruce, the guy that, that the director of training that I traveled with quite a bit, um, getting to see the different backgrounds and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was interesting. So that was kind of COVID hit when I stepped down from EMS sent Travis and Bruce a text and I was hammer drunk. And I was like, I am stepping down. I can't travel this much. I had kids at home and I was like, I can't travel 12 times a year or whatever I was on the docket for. Um, I just, I kind of need to disappear and get my stuff straightened out and decided I wanted to change the legacy that I'm leaving my kids, right. Show them that you can do hard stuff instead of yeah. being gone all the time. Cause that's, that's another, um, you'll see that some of the national level instructors, they do it for a year or two and then they, they stop doing it. Cause they're like, it takes its toll, right? It's it's not a uh, it's not a young man game by any means. Um, so that was kind of where I stepped down with that. Still in good terms with everybody like that, but I just I kind of do my own thing. Focus. Finest hour has been my sole income for almost a year and a half, two years now. It's kind of a uh, interesting because you're like, this isn't going to work, but then it's working. But it's not going to work, but then it's working. Yeah. No, I I can't even imagine like the the ups and downs it must come with like. <laughs> putting that all together and the traveling and then, Hey, I'm going to migrate to something that could actually be more work, but, but less travel, but right. have more questions somehow. Uh, I can't even imagine my, what that must be like living through that. My first class was, well, and I was loosely kind of like helped out with stuff. And then I finally got a call. They hit me up and they're like, Hey, can you help with this class? I'm like, where? And they're like SIG Academy. And like, you understand all my friends that are like, are in law enforcement, the old school guys that are all like all shot SIGs. They're mm -hmm. like, you're going where? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm going to the SIG Academy to teach. Is that a big deal? And they're like, fuck you, man. And we were actually in New Orleans on vacation. I had to leave early to fly into New Hampshire. And it's like my first day. And I met a lot of people in that class. That I'm so friends with like um, Soy Leader and those guys. And yeah. I had to literally jump up at the SIG Academy, my first class, and demo a drill in front of like Boston PD, Boston SWAT. And I completely shit the bed, just completely trash it. And everybody's just like, we're kind of nervous. I'm like, what are you nervous for? Like, I just did this in front of 30 of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm the one that just shit the bed here. Like, what are you guys nervous about? It should be easy. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's, well, that's, that's, wow. Uh, I had no idea. 
Like that's a, yeah. that's a hell of a, uh, roadmap to get from, <clears throat> from then until today, uh, with, with finest hour. Um, which is weird. Cause like, how do you make that into a bio? Right. Or it's like, it's like, I've done, I did live fire shoot house instructor course right up in, up in Grayling to get certified to use their live fire shoot house. But then like, it's weird because I already know how to do that. And I do a lot of that tactics anyways, but it's weird because like, don't people don't think you're certified if you're not certified to teach something like the second I go to that certification, everybody's like, Oh, he's certified live fire shoot house. And you're like, yeah, did they tell you they teach limited penetration? It's actually a bullshit class. It's a horrible class. Right. But they're like, Oh, I thought you were certified to like teach now. And you're like, you are, but it's like, same thing. Like just because you're an NRA instructor or just because you work somewhere and you're like, that's why I try to stick away from the bio stuff because I, I kind of, for me, it weeds out a lot of students when people are like, well, I'd rather take fundamentals from a Navy SEAL than like, then go take fundamentals from a Navy SEAL. I'd rather just not have this argument with you on social media. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword really. Cause you know, right. there are enough bad instructors out there that, that's been something like a, not a hallmark, but it, it's, it's been one of the positives of social media and YouTube and the internet is that you can start to kind of research some of these guys that are out there selling the snake oil and promoting themselves as being, you know, uh, oh yeah, I was, yeah, I, I operated, I was, I was with Delta, you know, and I did this and everything. It turns out they were like an admin person that filed paperwork in right. like an adjacent role. So like you breathe the same air conditioning they did, but you weren't, you know, like, right. and that's, I'm just making all of those details up. I'm not telling anybody, you know, specific, but we know those people exist out in the community. Right. Um, but to your point, a lot of people start to get really hung up on the resume. And it's something that I, you know, I talk about uh, when I, when looking at like music and stuff like that too, is you can be the world's greatest musician or the world's greatest shooter. That doesn't mean you're going to be a good teacher. It doesn't, the two things almost have nothing to do with each other. At some point, if you are just, if you're just regurgitating the stuff that you've been told over the years and, and some of it works well, right? Some of it works really well. So it's your go-to language on some things. I totally get that, you know, uh, but if you can't understand something to the point where you can like say something and someone looks at you and goes, what are you talking about? And you can't pivot and go, think of it this way or try this instead or whatever, you know, or you fix that that didn't fix the issue. What's next? You're, but all you know how to do is repeat the same stuff that's been yelled at you during your time in the military, right? You're actually doing your students a disservice, right? Because they're paying a bunch of money and not getting a whole lot out of it. Um, And that's, you know, I I don't know that we ever totally get away from that, you know, in the community. well, it's, it's odd because I'm just as guilty of it. I mean, look at me, the first class I ever took. I didn't take any fundamentals class. I emailed them. They're like, can you do reloads? I'm like, yeah, I watch YouTube. I watch your Magpul videos. I can do this shit, right? Sure. Um, so I'm just guilty of it as chasing that down. But I wasn't chasing it down because I, I, it was more of the, I needed the, I needed to figure out what made him successful. And what made him successful for, for me, in my opinion, was being un- unrelentlessly positive all the time, right? And there's people in there. That's a whole other side story. But, um, I was just as guilty of it, but like I get students all the time. I'm like, you look at where we're at right now. There is a wealth of knowledge of guys coming back from overseas with real world experience or even in law enforcement here that they might not be good instructors. Yes, you can go take a class with them. And even if you learn Mm -hmm. 1%, that's value added. But you have to understand there's a lot of guys that are not good instructors or good coaches. I don't like the term instructors because instructors are, I feel like that's like we're trying to just, that's very um, 
very formal. Like we're trying to teach you something, slap you on your ass and send you on the way. Whereas I feel like coach, a, a word coach means that you have more invested, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like what I do. Like you say, um, we have these guys with the wealth of knowledge that aren't very good instructors, aren't, aren't good at articulating or communicating ideas. I do introductions for every class. And one of those things is, what are you good at? It's actually your name. Um, what are you good at? Favorite hobby, pastime, dream aspirations and stuff like that. And when I took my first class, we do introductions. And, you know, I tell students this all the time in class. I said, we, when we do introductions, I always thought that it's like a self-help class. Like, are we going to do trust falls next? Like we're making a team, we're meeting everybody. Like, but it's not until you start teaching that you start understanding that's actually the instructor cheating doing an introduction because if I'm doing a class, let's say I'm doing a CPL class and, or a medical class and I have a guy in class that's an electrician and I'm like, Hey, do you know how when you test the resistance on your outlets? He's like, yeah. And you're like, that's what an AED does. When you put the pads on somebody, it's testing the resistance going through their chest. And he's like, Oh, that's value added. Right. So then that's also, so I'm, I've got a coaching book that's, or a coaching guy that I follow listening to a podcast and it's crazy because a lot of stuff he talks about, which makes successful coaches i already do that i just i didn't know that i did it um one of those things is building a relationship with a student and when you're doing an introduction sitting here looking them in the face and looking interested listening building trust right instead of just being like okay here's what we're doing for class see you bye um being interested in their dreams or, or you know how they communicate or how they learn and stuff like that it's it's just adding value to the instructor and and the whole situation the whole dynamic right yeah, no. And I think that that's, that's why, I, you know, when I talk to people and they ask me like, what, what classes have I taken or where should I go? Or, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, fill in the blank, big companies come in here or something, or I want to bring in whatever big name company. Right. And I've had the conversation with you, like, you know, you're not necessarily going to get that guy. Right. And they go, what are you talking about? Like if you hire warrior poet society to come teach a class, there's a, per, there's a better than not chance. You're not going to get John Lovell. What do you mean? I'm like, I mean, he has guys that work for him. Like, or you go to a field craft, field craft survival course. You're probably not going to get Mike Glover. Like, unless it's mean? like, unless it's the upcharge. Cause he's upcharging for when he shows up now. Oh, I didn't know that, but I mean, it says goes, plus plus 200 for him. Oh, I mean, then I make sure I got an autograph on the way out or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, it's, you understand that, or maybe people don't, right? Like there's a business aspect to it. And we were just talking to you about the travel piece. Like they have families and like they're people too. They don't just live to live on the road. So understand that you can still get really, really good instruction from people that you, that a lot of folks may deem to be like less desirable because they don't have that huge resume. Like honestly, some of the best people I've, I've learned from have happened over just like Instagram conversations. And then, uh, you know, practical instructors, like, uh, Robbie over at Ann Arbor Arms that I, that's just who I've taken my classes from. Great guy. A- absolute awesome experience. I don't at one, at any point at all think that I wasted money going to that course or that I could do better or you know, I never left feeling that way, you know? Um, and it's just, I think that we get really wrapped up sometimes um, looking for validation. I think, I think it's what it comes back to, right? Like, well, I took a class from these guys, so I, I, I know more. Like, okay, do you really, did you, right. would you say you walked away from that? Um, and, and you actually know more. Um, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic, I think in the community 
and the the correlation that we make between like follower count and yeah and and end result you know value added or or you know uh what you walk away from class with uh and and it, and it's weird because I, I mean i was that guy too right and the more i get into things here in michigan and i look into companies like what you guys are doing like i said i've already mentioned you know ann arbor arms i think there's a couple other ones uh there's a lot of good information out there to be had from people uh and to your point, like, just cause they don't put it all out there. You don't know. Like I had no idea. I had no idea with all the stuff you've done and, mm-hmm. and, and seen and, and interact, you know, like there's a whole bunch I could learn from you, obviously. <clears throat> and honestly, since the wife's been bugging me about a medical course, it may be sooner rather than later. Uh, but I think I, that- I've got bad luck with guys saying that taking my class, then actually having to use it like weeks after it's, it's guaranteed to happen. Oh, well then maybe not. <laughs> right. So maybe uh, you need to, because now we know that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, but uh, so let's like pivot for a second and talk about just the training situation here in Michigan. You know, I know there's a, f- I know I have listeners in Michigan and it's intensely frustrating because it feels like there's so few outlets in this state compared to some like, uh, you know, for, let's just use the example that we're both involved in, right? working on trying to get Jared and Orion training group up here to Michigan later this year to host a class. It took me like six months before I figured out that like the, the building that, that you guys are attached to, right. Um, would be a suitable venue for that. I went through, I, I don't want to say names of businesses, but I went through an actual shoot house. Uh, they, they, shot, they shot me down and uh, we're like, Oh, most instructors don't understand how dangerous the shoot house is. So we don't, we don't rent out the shoot house, even though it says shoot house rental, like right on the top of their website. And it's probably the most dangerous class you'll ever be in is when they run it too. Oh, well, they can't, their, their follow-up to that statement was we have the best instructors in the world and we, we would love for you to come train with us. And I'm like, right. Uh, you know, I, I used your guys like just uh, retail range, like the regular shooting range had a terrible experience there, like with my wife years and years ago. Um, so I will not be back. I tried local airsoft places. Nope. Couldn't even get them to answer me. I don't know if it's the whole like real gun versus fake gun thing that just threw them off, but couldn't get that going here locally. Uh, I reached out to places that rent office space. Like, Hey, can we just use your office building for a weekend, like two days, right. you know, nope. Couldn't, could not even get responses. And, and I got to the point, I actually reached out to uh, like a state senator. I was like, is there something going on in the state that we like don't have shooting ranges or like why all of our real estate, instead of being used for anything even remotely firearm related is turning into <laughs> horses? Like, is there some reason for that? I'd not get an answer there either. So maybe, I don't know, people just don't like me, but I digress. I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's actually because Michigan is actually heavy in firearm instructors compared to other states and it's very clicky. See, I didn't, I don't, I guess, and I, and I will admit that I haven't really done a whole lot of digging and investigating into the, the instructor community here in Michigan. I didn't realize we had, you know, and it seems like every couple of months I'll get a name dropped of like a company. And they're like, oh, you ever train with these guys? And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Oh yeah. They're great. My buddy took their class. I'm like, okay. Um, where are they at? And like, oh so- yeah, they're over here. So to go a little history on that, this is just from my, from what I know, um, there was, so I think the first company in Michigan was, 
um, MDFI, Michigan Defense Firearms Institute, which was originally owned by Steve Fisher. Um, I think Steve branched off and went to start working for Magpul and sold it to Trek and a guy named Keith. Um, and then there's another guy in Michigan, Brad Patriot Defense Training, who I used to take classes with and help, and then he kind of just disappeared. Um, Trek still runs MDFI. MDFI has been the biggest and probably the most um, longest standing in Michigan. They went silent on social media probably a year or two ago with everything going on, so they do um, not Facebook or Instagram. Um, they partnered up and um, I think they partnered up or hired the guys from Steadfast Applications over on the west side, west side of Michigan. I got a couple of mutual friends that are mutual friends with all of them. Um, they've been around this. I tell students all the time. They're like, well, that's like your competition. Like I talk to track like once or twice a year. Like, Hey, how's this range going? Or what are you guys going over here? Like um, they put out good content. I mean, if they didn't, they wouldn't be around. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, he's, we, we have people that take his classes and then take mine or vice versa. Um, so then you look at, so you got, I don't think Steve Fisher does any classes in Michigan. Maybe he does like one or two. He, he does a lot of traveling. I think, I think like Pennsylvania or New York or the last I knew, um, MDFI purchased uh, Spectacle Lake Outdoor Club with a group of guys down by Albion. Um, and so they redid all that from what I hear, and they're doing classes down there. Then you got MTC. You guys got, got the guys up, in, up at MTC. Um, they do classes. They're booked yeah. literally all through the year from hosting people up there. And we, they have, a full, we they, have a, they have a full facility up there, right? Like a shoot house, and, yep. and, and yep. they're they're pretty decked out. But that's – they're northern it's michigan crazy because yeah it's crazy thing is is um typically we were just talking about that like right you look at a lot of guys that are experienced and they're not very good customer service they're not very good um instructor driven stuff like that and you look at the guys up there and you got greg claire and bob um all marines or army special forces huge huge bios right and they're nailing the customer service and they're nailing down um instruction and i mean their range is literally booked but not only is their range is booked but then they're also opened up for their members so they're not pissing off their members booking the place out um we partnered up with for two classes with them last year so i was up there twice i just talked to greg today so um yeah it's it's interesting because and then they have a 1100 yard range so again it's two hours north it's a ways up there but you can fly out of helicopters and shoot 50 cows up there. Like there's, there's no, nothing up there. It's kind of nice. Um, See, I had no idea we so, had yeah. something like that here in Michigan. I had no <laughs> right, idea. Right. You know, well, and that's, I think Michigan got so it, eight years ago, it was really clicky. Um, and that's why there's still some people that are on there like, Oh, you guys talked to this or that. And you're like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not very competitive. There's some people that I don't follow or I block, but other than that, um, Michigan's, Michigan's pretty clicky. There's usually east side, west side, or then you get people that are looking at um, branching out and going around a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think they're or and then you can also look at it this way: those 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 names have been around for a while, right? So you got people that are taking those traditional classes, but then you have this new generation that are looking at other type of classes and other instructors, um, where things are starting to pop up on their radar, social media wise, probably. Um, because you're yeah. always going to have those instructors that are attached to stores and ranges like you talked about. Um, and that's mm-hmm. going to be typically your clicky kind of buddy kind of setup. Um, so I think that's where they just kind of stick to their own little demographic area and don't really yeah. 
expand past that. Well, that's something that, you know, um, as we, it's, it, it, there's like a, it's kind of like a cultural shift, right? Cause we're starting to see like, the new generation kind of come into the shooting community and it's very social media driven. It's very yep. internet centric on a lot of things. And, uh, I, the, the values are a little bit different, you know, than I think they were with some of the, the older shooters and things. So it's, it's, we're almost, we're kind of in a state of flux, I would say. Um, <clears throat> but the, the frustrating part for me, not knowing like everything you just rattled off, obviously that right, right. there was, you know, even a reasonable amount of access here in the state was, uh, like I said, trying to get, uh, Jared and Orion up here to teach a class, uh, and got so many comments from people. Oh, just go to Ohio They're You know, they or go to, go to this company in Ohio, go to the Alliance right. range in Ohio, go to Indiana. Oh, come down to Tennessee, come out to Pennsylvania. And I'm like, I don't, Here's, here's something that I think when we talk about giving back to the community and building the community that I think people are very quick to focus on me, 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 right? What, what can I do to get my training immediately so I can come back? And then, like you said, right, you're going to take one class and then you're done, right? Like you need continued interaction, things like this. So going off to another state and taking a course from from anybody. Right. And then just coming back after one class, coming back to your community, your circle of friends, that's not, it's not, re- I mean, it's not really beneficial to trying to bolster your community. So when I'm looking at that, I was like, I don't want to go to another state. Like I want to bring people here. If I want to learn from them, I know there are other people that want access. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I, honestly i had no clue all that stuff you just rattled off i only knew like maybe two or three like i've heard of mdfi and mtc um basically in name only um because i think mdfi is out by like port huron or something like that or they, they do, do classes. classes out there yes that yeah, might be it yeah. um because i had a couple of friends that i recently connected with that were like hey i took one of their courses it was really good i'm like oh i've never actually heard of them and then i go to look for them on instagram and i don't find them and i'm like this yeah. sounds weird but that makes yeah. sense you know, you saying that they, they ducked out of social media and yep. that's, you know, I guess that's the complication that the new generation has to deal with is <laughs> playing by the rules of social media to, to share this right. information and stuff. And, and um, I think they bumped up from a, I think from a personal standpoint, they don't from their training, but I think because I think that was more of a, I don't, again, I don't, I haven't spoke with them since then. I don't know if that was a personal decision, but I know uh, the, range that they went in and purchased they had a group of people that went and purchased it so i think they're trying to be a little bit more active on that to bring to try to bring more awareness to the range and get more membership and more community um around that because it is it's a great location it's a great range um so i think they're trying to drive membership and stuff like that there no and that's 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 great you know i think you're starting to see a little bit more of that now with companies you know, like you said, in the Magpul days, it was all touring the country, right? Uh, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, coming soon to arrange near you. And right. it's almost like a carnival act in that regard. Um, and the prices were exorbitant because travel prices were exorbitant. And you just said 2008. I remember that was like my first or second year of college. I remember gasking up to like four and a quarter a gallon. And, you know, but, and then the hourly pay rate was like seven and a quarter. So I'm like, great. So I get like not even two gallons of gas for every hour that I'm working. <laughs> Fantastic. So I, I couldn't the even days of putting a 10 or $20 bill in your gas tank. And then you're like, that's got me for the weekend. I'm all set. Yeah. I, it's it, I couldn't even imagine, honestly, like I, I, when I was balancing that, I couldn't, I was just bad at finances then. Um, 
but we're seeing, you know, some of these changes and now some of these companies are attaching themselves. I think uh, Ridgeline Defense, I was listening to another podcast and they bought a facility as well. I think out on the East Coast somewhere maybe. Um, and it's like you're attaching yourself there. And hey, we're, we're it, it is, it's a more like community centric approach, I think, to training. And I think that's helpful, you know, when we're talking yeah. about, hey, one class ain't going to do you. Like one class a year is arguably not going to help. Um, you know, you really need to try to be getting out in, in, I think, right, two classes a year minimum um, in various topics. Doesn't mean you have to go shooting, uh, go to shooting courses. I think finally we're starting to see more focus on med and communications is starting to be popular as well. Guys are finally starting, I think, to take the whole ham radio thing seriously again. Maybe we'll see. Um, I, was, I don't. I don't want to pull out all the stuff that we're. I got a group of, of buddies that we're doing the same thing. We're like, yeah, we should probably start bumping up our comms or go take this class. Or it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. It's which it's, is awesome to see classes on that. Well, yeah, because it's you. You get into it, and you obviously just read the book, right? Like I have my uh, technician's license. Um, haven't used it. Most of my friends I talk to that are involved in shooting training whatever like no never really thought about it like right. and it's like okay cool did did you want did you want to because if there's two of us then there's a reason to like invest in actual understanding and training and right. stuff uh but otherwise i'm not you know that's and that's that's another thing when you talk about people throwing money at this lifestyle right yeah communications is one of the big ones it is you can be just as much money on like a good suppressor as you would on buying like a used motorola radio and then a good headset it is absolutely ridiculous well that's i especially with my background i always try to be very realistic um and try to make things reasonable um and not go all zombie apocalypse and stuff like that because it's um there is a lifestyle aspect of it, right? Like I geek out on some stuff just like anybody else does. But at the same time, um, I remember I took a, I taught a class. CAG, CAG Works was up at MTC and I taught a class in Whitmore Lake. And I'm like, hey, can I jump in one day? Um, I worked for HSP. I jumped in for a day up there and I, I ran up there and they're like, well, if Garrett would have been here, we'd, we'd be running a mile. This was before I, this was while I was still drinking and chewing. And I'm like, fuck you. I ain't running a mile in a class. Like, are you kidding me? But like now you look at it and, you know, kind of what my training company and name was based off of like finest hour. Like when I was, I first got on a fire department when I was 19 years old, we had a fatal car accident on a fire or a, a wherever it was. And I'm helping hold the backboard and they're doing CPR on this young kid. And I'm like, I'm helpless. I have no idea what to do. So that's kind of where I'm like, I, I don't ever want to have that feeling again where you're unprepared. So that's kind of where finest hour firearms, medical training, and all that kind of comes into it. But now it's came even more full circle for me right now, because like, imagine having night vision, firearms training, spending and budgeting and doing all this stuff. And your kid dies because you don't have smoke alarms in your house. And it's the yeah. same thing for like fitness. Like imagine, and, and I, and I try not to throw stones because I don't want to piss people off. Um, but at the same time, like imagine carrying, like a 2011 really expensive gun, but then going to the zoo and some guy picks up your kid and is like, bye and runs away. And you can't run a 10 minute mile to catch him. Yeah. Like there's, which isn't, which isn't fast. A 10 minute mile is actually no, you can no. walk that uh, pretty much. 
Right. So that's kind of like not saying that you have to go out and do Ironmans or do anything like that, but like you just imagine that feeling. Like I, I the reason I bring that up is because I, I try to inflict some response out of somebody where they're like, man, that is, I would, that is kind of ridiculous. Like well, if and, I wouldn't be and, able to. And none of that stuff you just rattled off, right? Uh, night vision, nice guns, uh, plate carrier comms. Like you can have 50 grand, hundred grand worth of, I mean, you've got the, you know, uh, quad tube, whatever you can have all the gear in the world, but if you can't from a fitness standpoint, and I'm not saying you don't got to be shredded, you don't got to be totally jacked out of your mind, but if you are not at least fit enough to carry that load and then operate to uh, a reasonable standard, whatever that may mean for you, right. With said equipment, it's all for nothing. Right. And it's, you know, I, it, it is obviously it's way more of a focus now in the community. And I think that that's, you know, tremendous uh, as somebody who was at one point, uh, you know, working in finance, working a desk job in a bank branch where I spent so much money at Walmart every week, like, Hey, I need snacks. I'm going to, you know, every other day it's a new 12 pack of Mountain Dew and then Oreos and, you know, whatever else. And, uh, like, yeah, I was almost 300 pounds and then you know, make, you make those switches, you make those changes for the better. You know, sometimes you just don't like the, what you see in the mirror. But, uh, for me, it was like the very early beginnings of stepping into this lifestyle. I was like, you know, I want to be able to do a little bit more, you know, I want to look a certain way. Um, and then really in the last couple of years, making more of a concerted effort and you start to see that where this stuff matters, you start actually spending time in gear, um, even just holding up the rifle, like you just want to talk about dry firing. Like if you find that you go two, three minutes of dry fire and you just have to put the rifle down because you're just, you're burning, you know, it's like, okay, maybe time for some curls and not, you know, was it 12 ounce or whatever size beers are 12 ounce, 60 ounce curls, whatever. I don't know the joke. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, you put it in context and it's somewhat alarming when we realize that. Right. And that's like, I bring it up and, and I, I bring that up because I say that most classes. I'm like, imagine going to the zoo and somebody picks your kid up and runs away. You're not drawing a gun and making a headshot at somebody running away with your four-year-old and you can't oh, run no. after them because this or that, because you're, you know, and that's why I tell people like, you look at my website and it says finest hour. It's our personal belief that uh, my, our finest hour has not came, whether it's going to be at work and there's a terrorist attack or a, a robbery when you're out with your family. But really when it comes down to it, it's like, you're, you're not doing this to go to the range with your boys and run and gun. It's you're doing this so you can go fucking kayaking with your family and be functional. Right. Like there's, we have buddies and like somebody will like make a joke, like you do something. It's like, they're like, Oh, that's your finest hour. Like a joke for like my business. (laughs) And two years ago, my daughter was learning how to ride her bike and I ran next to her. So she couldn't fall. And my wife was like, you know, since you lost this weight running next to your daughter, like this is your finest hour. And like in that moment, it hit me like I lost my shit. Like maybe this is my finest hour. You always think it's going to be like firearms and there's a terrorist taken down like a mall. But like it very well could be me being able to run next to my daughter for the first time. And my wife's like, I wouldn't have been able to run, run around the block six times just to make sure that she doesn't fall. And you're like, huh. Yeah, I guess that is kind of full circle. It's odd. Okay. Yeah, I, feel pre- I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. No. And it's, it's those small things, you know, um, I, I think it's different for, for everybody. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that I, I'm under no illusion that it's going to be the same journey for everybody. Some people can right. drop weight 
very, very easily. I could certainly probably do a little bit more on mine. Um, and, and I still get that feedback from people. That's the other part about the social media piece that just drives me nuts. Like get guys that are like, you know, I don't I'd like, cause you know, we named the podcast prepared mindset and like, I've never understood the overweight prepared guy. I'm like overweight. Like, I mean, yeah, I could probably lose 20 pounds, but like, dude, what you don't I, you just, you got all that, you know, from a, a 24 second dry fire clip, you know? And like, what do you, right. what do you think? I'm going to be absolutely useless in a fight. Dude, you don't know me. Like, you don't know what I, you know, and well, I've lost all that weight, you know, would like to lose more, but we're right around that 250 mark, but like have been maintaining that while building muscle for the past two years. And it's, it's relative in the conversation, I think. And people start to understand like your weight is probably not the only metric you should look at. Right. You should start measuring things like a mile time, but at the same point, a mile time is not the only thing you should look at because you can be scrawny as hell. You still get your ass beat. I mean, well, you look at, look at like, um, I mean, it sucks when you got some dude that's huge kicking my ass at the end of an Ironman. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like size and shape and, and weight has nothing to do with it. like some of the best ultra marathoners in the world look fat. Like traditionally you'd look at him and be like, there's no way that dude runs a hundred miles. And it's, it's, it has nothing to do with it, right? Like they're doing zone two heart rate running and, you know, they can sit there and have a conversation with you and they can eat pizza and run all day long. And it's the same thing. Like you look at somebody and you're like, you learn quickly, especially once you start getting into, and that's how you know, like once you start getting into like fitness, you realize you're like, oh, you don't judge a book by its cover because you're, you're going to be regretting that like immediately because you're going to see somebody and you're like, wow, that didn't fit the tradition of somebody that's in really good shape or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, and 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 it, it adversely, right? You, you, we have this assumption, I think, um, because yes, being skinny, uh, I would even say to some degree, being scrawny in the community gives you certain advantages. Like, hey, uh, you can buy the cry pants in size small that nobody else ever needs. <laughs> you can carry appendix really, really easily, you know. Right. And that's that's always like you, you know, because an, an appendix is is great. Like I carry appendix. I'm a bigger dude and everything. But that was honestly one of my biggest motivators to lose weight. I was like, I want to carry appendix. I saw right. sounds dumb. <laughs> I saw videos of Lucas from T Rex Arms. And I was like, carrying appendix is badass. Like I want an appendix rig holster. And like I took the holster I had and I you know slid it up front and everything. And I was like, oof, this is not. I'm not doing this for any length of time. You know so. Just, you know, changes were made, like got a better belt and everything, got a more comfortable holster. And then when I realized that that still was not where I was comfortable, like, okay, then it's me. Like I've addressed the two factors that go in this and, you know, I want to do this. Uh, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to figure this stuff out. And, you know, it's all kind of part of some end goals and things like that, but I am, I'm glad that fitness has taken more of a, um, uh, become more of a focal point. I think when we start talking about training, um, I would say it's probably not, it's probably not mentioned enough when we're talking about personal preparation and capability and things. Um, and I, I think there is the overall assumption that if you fit that prototypical American male where you're five, eight to five ten, and you're one eighty to two twenty or something, like if you fit in that quote, you know, air quotes here, generic mold, that just by osmosis, because your average size and weight, you will be okay. Right. And it's, 
just not the case. Like no. cardio is a thing. Cardio sucks, but it's a thing. Like how, how long can you go stamina? Right. Um, and, and I guess to that point, how, how did you get involved in marathoning? Cause I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like that sounds fucking miserable. Like I hate cardio. <laughs> so it's, um, it's cool because I was, I watched your, I see you've been posting a couple of things. Um, and it's awesome to see, cause I've got something I thought about today when I saw it and I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, knowing that we're going to do this podcast, which I'll bring up, remind me to bring up, but so I didn't play any sports in high school. I literally started drinking when I was 15 years old, like partying, nice. <laughs> I sh- sh- hunting your typical redneck, hardly graduated high school. Um, I swam in high school for two years just for fun. But then when they're like, Hey, you got to shave your arms and your head. I'm like, peace. See you next year when I'm training. Like I didn't want to compete. Um, so I swam for two years, kind of like whatever. And then I got into, you know, I drank chew and all that for like the next 10, 15 years. Um, so right when I was stepping down from HSP, I was at my height of drinking. When I say my height of drinking, like I was drinking like 12, 14 beers a night, like just crushing beers. Damn, dude. I spent thousands of dollars on a YouTube channel downstairs. So I have a YouTube channel, camera, everything all set up. And I would do like hot takes just to like tweak stuff. And I would look and I was like 200 pounds. Like, I'll show you a picture. Like I was huge. I'm like one, I got down to 158. So I was 200 pounds. I'm five, nine. Um, I got really just bloated, huge out of shape. And I'm like, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, dude, you can't do this anymore. Like I can't, I can't do a YouTube video. I can't stand the way I look. Right. Yeah. And then I finally, I'm just like, step down from EMS. A lot of that comes from PTSD, which that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to disappear. Um, and just kind of straighten my shit out and try to figure out what it is. And so I was, I was playing around with, I got into running one winter. Um, reason I got into it is because it's shitty weather out and I'm like, everybody's complaining about it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to go run in the winter. And that's kind of when I started falling in love, which is weird because my wife, ran uh for msu she's collegiate runner so it's weird because she grew up doing that but then she hurt her ankle and can't do it as much anymore and i'm doing the stuff that she wanted to do so i started getting into running run like five six miles here there and i'm like her favorite race she ever did was the detroit half marathon so i signed up for that in october during 2020 um obviously they canceled it and so i'm like I got a bike and started buying some bikes and I'm like, well, I'm going to go do a duathlon. And I did like one or two, but I was still like, I, w- I would quit drinking for a couple of weeks, go do that race. And then be like, party time. You get to celebrate. You get to drink beer because you did a race. <laughs> because you're and done so now, yeah. it was like, right. I did that for like a year where I was like half the time sober, but then I'd celebrate and have fun and do all this other stuff. So I never really gave it a, a valid effort. So I decided in like 2021, I think it was, I'm like over the winter, I'm going to get back to swimming and I want to try to do a triathlon. So I signed up for a half marathon uh, or a half tri, a half Ironman, sorry, to keep them straight, a half Ironman, which is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon run. So I signed up for that. And while I was training for that one day, I swam two and a half miles, which is a full Ironman distance. And so like I came home and I'm like, Hey babe, I just swam two and a half miles. She's like, isn't that an Ironman distance? I'm like, yeah. And I didn't think I could do that. She's like, 
sign up for one. You ain't getting any younger. I'm like, okay. So when I did my first half Ironman, I had only ran one half marathon before that. And then my first marathon was actually at the end of an Ironman. I'd never done a standalone marathon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I did that and my legs blew up at like mile eight. I had to walk, do a run, walk, shuffle for a lot of it. And so that's why I had to sign up for another one the next year. Cause I'm like, I need redemption. Um, you can't leave it that way. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is even funnier because then after I did that, I ran the whole thing. It's been like two years of me getting up my fitness. Um, and I did an ultra marathon in the middle of that, which was like six months. I like in the wintertime, I like to, to just run only. It's a lot easier. Um, and I cut a little weight and just, it's easier calorie wise, time wise to just do one workout a day. Whereas like Ironman trainings six days a week, twice, twice a day. So it's, it's a little bit heavier schedule. So I like running through the winter and I did a 31 mile run last year at the beginning of the, like April. God, man, that sounds horrendous. (laughs) (laughs) Then I did a, so then I did Ironman Chattanooga and then I'm like, well, my legs feel pretty good. And like two weeks later, I signed up for the Detroit half marathon. I'm like, it's last minute. I, I, I've got all this fitness from building up all summer. Like it takes me six months to build up to that. And you're like, I'm going to go send it. So I went and like PR'd it. I took like 20 minutes off, like my fastest time ever. Cause oh I've never done God. a standalone half marathon or, or a marathon. So it's, yeah. So right now I'm training for a hundred mile ultra marathon in June. Wow. Well, good luck so with we'll, that. That, that we'll sounds, I would die. I think I would actually die. My soul would leave my body. Cause I, my, my gym sessions now are, I get to about three miles each session and I don't know that I would actually, <clears throat> I could probably do more. I just, I hate cardio. I, I, it is, it is less miserable if I'm on an elliptical, but just yep. like running on the treadmill. I don't know what it is about it. I, it's like time slows down. Like right. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to look at the clock. I'm not going to look at the clock. I'll find something in the wall and I'll stare on it and I'll catch myself looking down. It's like, how has it only been three minutes? You know, and <laughs> I, and, and a lot of people have suggested like, well, go run on a track or something like just go run and, and don't look at a clock, like take a clock away from the, you know, all together. And, uh, and maybe that's something that, you know, when the weather here warms up, I'll, you know, I'll get to a local school or something and do more of that. I'd suggest trails or if you do treadmill, I watch YouTube videos. Like I've got like the dirty civilian podcast is what I'm going to watch tonight. I just saved it. I'm like, I'll watch that tonight when I run for an hour and a half. Um, but if you hate cardio, two, my two recommendations, my unsolicited advice is take a class on how to run. They're free. There's a class actually, on that? Yeah, it's called Good Form Running. They actually, uh, the company here in Oakman is called Playmakers. They actually invented it, and it's taught across the nation. So I think you've got, um, there's a couple of running labs like Flint and stuff over by you um, that have running. They, you just sign up, and it might be like 10, 20 bucks. They teach you proper cadence running cadence of 180 is what you should be spinning your feet at. So you're quick kick, oh, okay. kicking your feet over, um, which should be good for you musician wise. Cause like when I run, I just one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five sounds psychopathic, right? Like just saying that all the time. Oh, it happens to me all the time, honestly. Right. So there's, which is cool because we do a cadence when we shoot sometimes, which is a, a funny articulation or uh, relationship. Um, but take a class and they'll videotape you fix your form. But then also the other thing is slow down and just be like, okay, I mean, I, I'm three miles. Uh, just, I, I like to tell people to start for time. And then, cause if you know, you have to go run for an hour, you're going to slow down. 
and you're going to make your, your, that ideal zone two heart rate where you can just sit there and have a conversation. And then next thing, you know, you'll start being able to build and build and build and build on that. Cause a lot of people go run, they do cardio and they just run as hard as they can for three miles. And they're like, ah, ah. I might do that once a week. Otherwise, I mean, I did an hour on the treadmill last night and I did a live video talking through it because that's, that's how slow you should be running. And if that means a 14 minute mile for you, do it. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, no, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's what we were just talking about. Like your, your mile time may not always be a good metric for, you know, what goals you're, you're trying to achieve. Um, what was the other point that you wanted to bring up? Oh, so how long have you been doing the fitness thing? Uh, it's been a couple of years now. I mean, I was very reluctant going into like 2020. My wife was like, oh, let's go to the gym. And I'm like, mm, I really hate the gym. Could you right. do something else? Like, I don't know, go to the doctor or the dentist or something. <laughs> like I, you know, I, I just, I, I have never been a huge athlete. Like I was very big on marching band, you know, uh, in high school, um, just always felt very uncomfortable at the gym, you know, like planet fitness. Like I never knew what to do. And I was always afraid of being one of those memes of like guys, you know, inappropriately using gym equipment. Cause they just have no idea what's going on. <laughs> right. Um, so I was like, I was just really against going to the gym and we finally started towards probably the end of maybe like 2019. We went for like six weeks, you know, like three days a week or something for six weeks. And I was like getting to the point, getting into, you know, I, they, maybe it was like over the holidays in the winter, like, right. We got into 2020. And then they shut the the gyms down, you know, uh, as just as I was getting to the point where I was like, we had like a month, I think where we had that six weeks. And then like, we, I was in like a month of, I looked forward to it. Like, I really love the gym. I, I actually, you know, we had like a solid process, you know, and, uh, we would come home and she would make breakfast for dinner. Like, so we just have like a lot of eggs, like two pieces of Turkey bacon, you know, just being healthy. And like, it was a whole thing for us. I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, 2020, they closed everything. People, by the way, outside the state think it, they, they had no idea. Like friends I've talked to in like South Dakota and stuff, like you guys couldn't go to the gym. I'm like, no, they closed the gym down for like seven months. We couldn't buy seeds. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we couldn't do anything here. Um, so that was like six or seven months where I was like, oh, I'll definitely do stuff around the house. And I didn't. Like walking the dogs around the block was about as as much exercise as I really gotten. So as soon as I got going, like I, I stopped. Right. And then they kind of opened the gyms up at the end of 2020 and it was totally miserable because you still had to wear a mask and everything. So really the beginning of 21 was when I started taking this seriously, uh, being more regimented and not even just, Hey, I'm going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but I'm going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'm going to start having like a process, you know, like I'm going to isolate these muscle groups on these days, you know, for three months and then I'll change it up another three months. And, um, and then in the last like six months or so I've started going four days a week as my work schedule allows me to go on my lunch break. Um, and it's cool because while I'm still not, you know, I still, I cannot lose this gut to save my life. I've actually seen more muscle growth and muscle development in my upper body, which is where I'm focusing most of my attention anyway, than I've ever had in my life. Like I was the guy in high school because I was a percussionist, right? I played the snare drum and marching band and stuff. And my forearms were always bigger than my biceps. And it was always really, really awkward uh, for me. Um, so yeah, about two years of like, okay, we're going to rethink our diet. Right. So like I got, I got so much shit from my brother and my dad, like 
we don't really eat red meat anymore. Like, oh, that's nonsense. Like, no, we don't eat normal (laughs) bacon. You know, I eat normal bacon if I go out for for breakfast as a treat. We do turkey bacon. Uh, We got exact exact same thing here. Yeah, we got a lot of rice out of it. We go straight to quinoa for almost everything now. Um, Turkey for instead of like ground beef, we'll do ground turkey or ground chicken. Um, And here's the one thing, like, because I, I mean, everyone kind of has like that junk food stuff they really like, and. All jokes aside, I love a good hot dog. Like I really do. So we found that like Kogel's, which I think is a Michigan company too, they make chicken hot dogs in yep, the casing yep. and everything. And they're like half the price and like half the calories and they taste exactly the same. So like we switched to whole wheat buns, we eat those things and I could have two or three of those and feel like I just had like a really good cheat meal, you know, and I didn't really uh, and it, it's kind of a, it's a lifestyle change, you know, but I mean, you, you start to figure out some of the things like, how do I kick pop? You just, you got to do it. It's like quitting smoking. I was totally irritable for the first two weeks and then I got over it. I did, uh, I used Chantex quit chewing. It was that day I went to cog works class and I remember teaching handgun class. Cause they're like, there's a guy who kept putting his finger on the trigger and I'm like, I'm pretty fucking sure I told you during the safety brief to take your finger off the trigger. And my instructor's like, actually, you skipped over that one. I'm like, why would you not tell me that? And it was because I was on Chantix. Like, I just completely just spaced out. And I'm like, oh, wow. okay, I'm, I'm glad we're not teaching a two-day class because apparently I don't know where the hell I am or what's going on. But it's, uh, yeah, we're the same thing. Like, it was funny because uh, my aunt came over the other day and they're like, you guys are making meatloaf with ground turkey? And you're like, yeah, we haven't had ground hamburger in probably two years, right? Um, I even did vegan for like eight months training for that ultra marathon, just to, like crazy cut weight, counting calories, running 200 calorie de- deficit, which running, I can, I can do that. It's when I get back to triathlon Ironman training and I'm doing two days, like I have to have, I got to have calories. Yeah. There's just, I mean, well, I could literally go eat pizza right now and then get on the treadmill and run. And it's just like, I've kind of trained my gut to that. Um, but then again, well, just because you're vegan, you, you, you have to just not eating is not an option because people make those jokes. So like, Hey, you know, that weird feeling in your, my brother used to do it to me all the time. You know, that weird feeling in your stomach, that's your body eating itself. And maybe if you let it happen a little more often, you lose some of your fat fucking ass. I'm like, ha 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 ha. But seriously, like you have to eat like your body needs X amount of protein. And it's different for everybody, depending on, you know, your weight, your target weight, your size, male versus female, like all that stuff has some role in it. Like you have to have protein. You you have to have calorie intake. Uh, like there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And like, I found out, uh, and it wasn't until I talked, uh, over like last year talking with, uh, Devin from uh, tactical cowboy. Um, mm-hmm. I was getting like a third of the protein every day that I needed. Right. And he's like, yeah, that'll cause a lot of issues. Like you're, you're working out a lot and everything, but if you don't get those calories and you don't get that protein, you're not going to end up like, it's just, it's your body can't. And, uh, and that's, that's a tough realization for some people. Cause you're like banging your head against the wall. Like, dude, I am doing all the things I should be doing right now. Why am I not getting it or getting to where I want to be? And it's like, well, because you're not doing it the right way. You know, you have to here, you can eat more, <laughs> you know? Right. And that's, that's the crazy thing is cause like, just because I was like vegan for like eight months and I was like, just kind of playing with it, seeing how it went. Um, Doritos are vegan but they're not good for you. Right. Like that's right, it's yeah. a lot of people are like, well, I'm vegan. You're like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, because I was always playing around with like, well, I'll cut out red meat and I'll do like turkey or fish. 
and I was real heavy at protein and then back and forth. And so it's kind of, which goes back to, you know, they, they say that rough number 3,500 calories to lose one pound, either you burn it or you don't eat it. Mm-hmm. When you add that up for like those, those guys that have lost 50 to hundred pounds, like a hundred pounds, somebody's, somebody's either burned or not ate 350,000 calories. You're like, that's impressive. That's, that's, that's commitment, right? Which yeah. is back to the reason I, I wanted to bring this back up was, um, which sounds like you're in a good headspace from it. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of times people are like, I want to lose I could cut 20 pounds this week. And you're like, yeah, that's not going to stick. Right. Like, you know, when you weigh yourself and you're like two more pounds, two more pounds, two more pounds, you know, that's consistent. And you know that you're going to be able to keep that off. Or maybe you'll plateau for a week or two. And then you're like, all right, we're back to dropping two pounds, dropping two pounds. And you just see it slowly coming off. And that is maintainable because then you can go eat like shit one weekend, gain 10 pounds. And then you're like back to my normal routine, get right back to it. And the reason I bring that up was because I saw your fitness thing and I was like, um, your post today. And I was like, a lot of times, a lot of people, and I struggled with it when I did my first Ironman, I literally got done with my Ironman. That was my goal. And then when I got done, I'm like, that's it. Now what? Like, fuck. Well, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I want more. Or am I too goal driven? And I still am kind of goal driven. Um, but it's the, this also articulates to shooting, right? A lot of times people want to go take that class, check that box and they're done. Mm -hmm. Or they took a class and they got to a certain level and they're done. It's the same thing. A podcast I was listening to, I'm a huge Dave Goggins fan. I know a lot of people hate him. Um, He was on a podcast with a guy's name's Chris modern wisdom. And one of the things they say is um, performance without purpose. You're like, that makes sense. Hmm. Goggins doesn't have a fucking goal. Jocko doesn't have a goal. Cameron Haynes don't have races. They don't have these goals. They're just, that's a mental health lifestyle change that they've made, which is good that you're, you've already caught onto that. You're like, I'm I'm looking to change my lifestyle, more positivity. Um, You know, they say you're going to get those endorphins in your body. Either you go outside and you exercise or you get it from your phone. Um, I think that's uh, it's good that you see that for what that is because it's the same thing. Like you look at shooters, you're like, well, you, maybe you don't need to have a goal. Maybe you just allocate, you know, X amount of training per week, per month, or per year, whatever it may be, and you're doing it because it makes you a better person and better family oriented. And you see, and you see so many guys now too that they post stuff like, you know, oh, hashtag recce life, or they're like building out these huge chest rigs, right? Because that's the cool thing that they've seen other influencers do. And like, oh, I have to have this 27 liter, you know, uh, ruck. And I have to have this huge chest rack with like, you know, 10 magazines and packed out with everything. And then, you know, a full, uh, you know, SPR or whatever. And it's like, okay, cool. But then you get out in the woods and you go to, hey, we're going to work on land navigation or we're going to work on whatever. We're going to walk five kilometers to a destination that we planned out and then we're going to come back. And I've done that before, not a ton of weight, but I think, uh, I went up North, uh, it would have been spring of 21 and, you know, with the, the intent of doing land nav with two buddies. And we, we did like 16 kilometers in an afternoon with his two dogs. So we were stopping for them every little bit and everything and got done with it. And I was like, I am tired, but I, I can actually, you know, I could probably keep going if I, if I needed to, like, this isn't, this isn't terrible. I think people don't have that realization. Again, it comes back to like 
you know, uh, if you add on 40 pounds of gear, would you still feel the same way? So it's almost like right. resistance training in that way. Like you want to go harder, faster, longer so that when you are in that, in that circumstance and, um, you have extra gear or maybe you, you, something happens right middle of the night, you only got three hours of sleep. You feel like shit, but you can physically perform to that, to that level, to that goal. So you start thinking about some of those, or at least, you know, at least I did, right. You start thinking about some of those, what if things, and some of it sounds, you know, paranoid, but you start looking at it and and going, what am I going to be capable of doing? You know, realistically, right. you know, we never rise to the occasion. Um, again, that's on the shooting too. We talk about the importance of training, accuracy, fundamentals, we don't rise to the occasion, no matter what anybody will say, the best, the best shooters, warriors in the world, whatever. I mean, you can throw out whatever military branch you want. Like, no, but that's why they train so goddamn much is because they know that under that stress, you're going to fall to your lowest level of preparation. And it is not just shooting centric. Like that's something that you can remedy with a narrow scope. Right. But everything's relative. Well, and that's, I always tell students in class, probably one of my favorite classes is uh, CPL classes, right? Which a lot of people make fun of. Um, it's probably one of my favorite, which that could be a whole nother topic of conversation. But I tell students, it's kind of a, it's a male thing. It's a, it's, and it's a younger male thing, or maybe it's an older male thing that we still think that we can do shit that we used to be able to do, right? And unfortunately, these are real guns with real consequences, right? Especially yep. when we start talking about some of this stuff. So it's like, you, you, it's not like we're going golfing and we're drinking beer and we're like, hey, I'm going to happy Gilmore this and then break my driver and it's going to be funny and we're all going to laugh and videotape it. It's like, if you've never made a 25-yard headshot on somebody holding a knife to your wife's head, don't do it with a Glock 43 in Walmart parking lot, right? Like oh, Jesus Christ, please don't. Yeah, no. Right, so it's like, you look at some of this stuff and you're like, we got to have a realistic expectation of like, Hey, do this. Or what are you truly capable of? Um, that's like me running. I had, I got attacked by eight dogs last year and got hit by a car running. I, people are like my local police department's like, when are you going to start wearing a body camera, dude? Like I ran through two Wait, weeks seriously? ago, ran by a car, yeah. eight dogs and car. one car. Four kids got out of a car as two cars pulled up in the back of this, um, park. And 15 kids just started fighting. And I'm like standing there and I'm like, I'm not getting in the middle of this. And then two kids are down and they're kicking him. I'm like, fuck, I got to call 911. So I started calling calling the the cops and they drag one back. And I'm like, cops show up. And of course, I know a lot of them and I help train and do a lot of stuff with them. They're like, dude, you got to start wearing a body camera. I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. But it's weird (laughs) because I get students in classes that are like, do you carry a gun when you run? And you're like, what am I, you know what would happen if I shot every dog that ran towards me? I'd shot like eight dogs this year. Right. Um, so it's like, people have that unrealistic, like, okay, this dog's latched on my arm and I'm trying to like put a muzzle in its head without shooting me. Like you got to have a more realistic expectation of like, what's really going to happen if you've been, been attacked by a dog. Have you seen people attacked by dogs? Like it's yeah. Like we had my old neighbors had two chihuahuas and, uh, they came over and like nipped at our ankles. And I had a family member was like, well, did you shoot him? I'm like, what am I going to do in a court of law? I'll be like, I feared for my life. So I shot the Chihuahua right? from a fucking Chihuahua. Like, I mean, it's the most violent breed. Yes. They, they really are. My grandma had one and they used to have to lock it in the bathroom when we came over to visit because the, and I was like four. So like we were almost face to face. Like we were, I mean, they are, they're, they're super mean dogs. Right. I, I love dogs. I have two of my own. They are right. gigantic assholes and I love them to death. 
but like, yeah, no, no on the chihuahuas. No, absolutely right. not. <laughs> so that's, that's, I always tell people that in class or at least CPL class. I'm like, guys, you got to have a, a realistic expectation. Like if you take a CPL class, buy a gun, snap it to your hip, you're not going to Jason Bourne with it. And you have to understand that those bullets have real consequences. So, you, so let me, you should probably, let me ask you that too. So realistic expectations, because you see so many people that post crazy dumb shit <clears throat> on social media. Do you carry a gun when you run? No, I carry, I carry a, a fixed blade, which is not popular in Michigan. Um, and do you carry, do you carry a gun when you go to the gym? Like you're sitting there working out on the squat rack and everything. Do you have a gun like off body? Yeah. Okay. Cause I I've see, got a, so I've got a, I've got a badass little like Patagonia sling bag and it makes me, I wear skinny jeans and it's Patagonia and it looks like, look like a hippie, but there's fucking 96 rounds and nine mil in it. Right. And flashlight mags and med kit and all that stuff. I just hate those guys that they want to, they do the humble brags on social media and they're like, uh, what do you, what the fuck do you call it? the, the filster, the, uh, the enigma, right? Oh, I can wear yeah, this gym right. shorts. I can wear this, whatever in sweatpants. And they're like, I go run for seven miles and I'm, you know, I always have a gun with me. I'm saying like, he'll put a video up of him, like in his garage doing like pull-ups and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> no. I'm not going to say the dude's name, but I'm thinking of somebody in specific, right. specifically. And, you know, and he's got his gun on him. He's like, always have it with you. I'm like, dude, I do not. No, like I, so I there's no way I'm it's, doing. It's weird. So this is another conversation that I, I have with students and I'm like, guys, you guys need to carry a gun everywhere, especially today's age. You need to fucking carry a gun everywhere you go. But at the same time, you get these guys that are like, I'm not going to this concert with my family because I can't carry a gun. And you're like, you should, you should experience other things in you're, life. You're missing your out on a lot of life by taking right, that hard yes. stance. Yeah. You can be smart. And still have things in place off body. Um, that's kind of my thing is a lot of times, like when I have dog attacks, it's like, ah, fuck, he's on you, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to unholster a gun. I would actually rather carry a gun for the family or the, the owners that are getting upset once you start having to deal with their dog because they can't. Like, that's more of a viable option, in my opinion. Yep. Um, but I'd rather have uh, either pepper spray or a knife or something like that to just get dogs off, get, get the dog off you quicker. Um, and a lot of times, a lot of that can get avoided too, because a lot of times people run. Um, I wear a really bright fucking light or I'll run a really bright fucking handheld. And a lot of times when they're running up to you and you're at nighttime and you put lights on them, like they don't know what the fuck you are, right? They're like, oh, he just disappeared, right? And you're like, I, I, don't, I can't bite it because that, that, that surefire is blinding me. Um, there's other options to that, right? So it's, it's funny when people are guys are like, oh yeah, I run. You're like, dude, I have, I have to tape my fucking nipples you're not running with a gun for seven to 10 miles. It's, it's especially if it's like appendix and people underscore what you said there, the value of like just a good handheld, you know what I mean? Like people assume that your cell phone in a lot of instances is enough light and it is for administrative tasks. Like, Oh, Hey, I dropped my keys when I'm, well, most of us have fobs now. So I guess that's kind of a poor example, but Hey, I, I just dropped something as I'm getting in my car. Let me, you know, you know, swipe on my, my phone here and pick it up, whatever. But in, in actual self-defense situations or any kind of, you know, potential encounter, things like that, just having a bright light, something maybe even, it doesn't even have to have a bezel, but maybe it does have some semi-aggressive bezel on it or something. It's a, it's a fantastic tool and yep. something like that was the first thing when my wife went and got her CPL, she bought, well, she wanted a Springfield XD. So that's what she got, but um, <laughs> she has a Glock now. It's okay. Uh, but the first thing that I went out and bought her to go with it was a flashlight like she had a streamlight polytech that was like 600 lumens and then 
when we went to, what was it? It was like the 9-11 memorial sale or something in Ann Arbor Arms. I bought myself an EOTech. So I thought only fair I buy her something. I got her a Phoenix handheld. Mm-hmm. It's like 1200 lumens. Things fucking brighter than the sun. And she carries it with her everywhere. I'm like, that's, and she can carry that at work in the office. Like most places will permit you a flashlight and it's right. a great deterrent. Just like you had mentioned with dogs, with people. I mean, someone trying to sneak up on you, once they know that you know they're there and then with something that bright, everybody knows they're there. Like yep. the jig's up, man. Like you might as well just, you know, throw it in now. Well, that's the the last one was that last snowstorm we had here in Michigan. I run at night exclusively because I'm really big at getting fitness and exercise in, but not robbing my family time. So I'm either up at four in the morning or I'm like tonight, I'm going to start running at nine, 10 o'clock and do an hour and a half. Um, so I'm always at nighttime and the last snowstorm I was running, I was actually running down the street to my mom's house and two pit bulls came off a porch after me and they were chasing me. And the second I turned around and my light was on them, which I'll explain how my lights are set up. They stopped and they're like, they're looking like, obviously lights are in lights in their eyes. And like, what the, I was chasing somebody and now it's just a light. Like, I don't know what, what to bite or where. Um, the only time that I went hands-on with one was the one that flanked me because I had my lights in front of me. It squared up with one and the other fucker flanked me kind of like a, one of those velociraptors. So yeah. I punched him in the head, punched him in the head, threw him down as he lunged at me. And then I got the knife out and ended up running backwards and not having any issues with him about a, like a block down the road. But I run with a, it's a really bright led strip with a battery pack on my chest. And one of the reasons I use that is because like your typical handhelds are really good for distance. But trail runners are usually multiple LEDs because if you try to run with just a handheld, it's a one directional light. If you put, if you even put two or three LEDs next to each other, it creates shadows. So when you're trail running, you see rocks and roots, whereas a normal light is just very one dimensional, which is weird. The firearms industry hasn't really caught into that yet. Like putting a second light, maybe to cast a shadow to give you a little bit more depth of field or something like that. The cons of it is, it just doesn't look right, right. The cons to it is um, it is very kind of like the most of those LEDs are kind of like uh, Surefire's Max Vision. It's really bright for like 20 feet. So if you're like 11 o'clock running some trail system like me and you hear, hear a noise and you're like, shit, you can only see 20 feet with that navigation light. So it's nice to have a handheld to punch out in an emergency. Or if I'm running and I see a car coming down the road the wrong way, I can signal or put some lights into their into their eyes to let them know i'm standing somewhere or whatever it may be so i i usually run a a, a standard navigation light and then i'll run like a handheld surefire e2d or whatever i've been wearing yeah and and again i mean you don't even have to those aren't even that expensive you know they're usually no. under 100 bucks or something um and they're you're starting to get a lot of aftermarket support at least with the surefire stuff i know some of those allow if you can swap out the head on it if you want to go to something more powerful um if you want to make it more capable with like your concealed carry, I know like the theorem switchback, right? Like the finger rings and stuff. Those are real popular. I run one. Uh, it's mostly at this point just for manipulation and ease of use. Um, it, it's actually, for me, it's kind of annoying to try and use with my firearm. Um, right. I carry a 43 X. I just, I have trained with it and trained with it and I just cannot be consistent enough. So I just got a streamlight, uh, like a, a TLR six which is not a good weapon light, but right. it's better than, than nothing. Um, and unfortunately I was the dumbass that bought my 43 X at the beginning of 2020 pre lockdowns. And then of course, like six months later, like, Oh, here's the 43 X MOS. I'm like, well, <laughs> shit. 
great. You know, so I had to pay, you know, $150 to have it milled for an optic. And now I can only have access to the world's crappiest of lights. Um, but it is better than, than no light. And, uh, you know, you do what you can, but it's, it's impossible to overstate how important just carrying a light with, with you is, and not something, you know, one, don't buy O light. Don't, don't ever buy O light. (laughs) Right. Um, and to have it be something that you can manipulate, you know, these little pen lights, or like the oh like the batons, the little like two inch long little things that look like a D cell battery. Like you're not you can't manipulate that. If you try, you're probably gonna drop it and then you're really fucked. You know, get something a little bit larger. If that means you have to change the purse you carry with ladies, or if you're a guy, you have to get jeans that aren't, you know, form fit to you, like then maybe that's something you have to look into. Um and and again, that's something that's more permissive than than a fixed blade or a firearm or pepper spray or anything else. I tell people I might not have a gun on me, but I definitely have a flashlight and a knife. I usually carry a microtech and a uh, uh, surefire stiletto on me all the time, no matter yeah, whether I mean, I'm a gun or not. There's tons of options out there, honestly. Yep. To, to you know, uh, the knife thing is the only thing I'll say with that with people is like, if you're dedicated to carrying one for self defense explicitly, like get some instruction. Like yep, in yep. my mind, you can do even more damage to yourself carrying a blade than than a firearm just because you know, uh, it's close up, it's personal. Um, you know, if you're going to end up using it, I, I carry a knife every day, but it's usually like a Leatherman or, uh, like a, a spider co or something. Like I just, I really, I really like my pocket knives. Um, and some people will, will cringe at that as I just said, spider co, like I have nice ones. I have a micro tech, I have, you know, some custom stuff and everything, but, uh, I, for me, it's the last thing. Like I would not try to fight with a knife. I just, well, and I, that's, I would not. That's kind of my, uh, back when I worked EMS, I'd have, I carry two knives. And they were like, and that was before I knew any better. People were like, why do you carry two knives? And I'm like, well, one's for cutting boxes and the other one's for cutting people, in my opinion. Right. Um, so that's, I always carry like a crambit, but then I realized I'm like, I, I have no idea how to fight with a crambit. So like now when I run, I just carry one of those bench made, um, ring knives, which is just a long stick with a ring on it. So I can just literally grab it with gloves, oh, pull yeah. it out. The sock P dagger. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I can strap that to my running vest or whatever, or put it on my belt. It's easy to grab in a hurry. And then I can either, you know, poke it or grab it and punch and then stab at the same time. Um, something small that I have some kind of a chance using, like I have a microtech out the front knife, but I'm like, I'm never going to fight anybody with that. Or I can't imagine you watch some of those guys do some of that stuff. And you're like, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't carry a cram because I have no idea how to use it. Yeah, that. no, I'll get myself in more trouble than I know how to get myself yeah. out. Um, right. But hey, man, this has been outstanding. Uh, this has been a great conversation, honestly. Uh, and 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 certainly, I think I'm probably going to look into your medical class. I think I saw in your post like March, right? Next month, you guys have one March or May, something mm-hmm. with an M, I think. Um, yeah, we've got a two. We got a couple med classes, one way or another coming up we've got just a standalone med class and then we do some uh combative medicine classes like a two-day so you get in some um can you hear me yeah yep we get into some of the uh um the combative medicine is kind of like a t-e-c-c t-triple-c framework but it's not through their their, their actual organization so i get to tweak what i want to do so we do that like on day one and then we'll throw in some one-handed manipulations, and then we start doing like tourniquet drills and stuff like that. And then we have a 
uh, everyday medical class, which is just a standard standalone classroom only where you get a CPR first aid certification. Um, and then we cover IFAT contents and usages, usage like tourniquets, hemostatic agent, chest seal, and stuff like that, and treatment guidelines. Stuff, uh, that's probably a pretty popular class. A lot of, That's that class that I've had a lot of people take. And then they're like, two weeks later, they're like, dude, I just put a tourniquet on somebody. I'm like, glad you took the class. So where can people go to find more information on on you and and also that uh, that class if they want to sign up um, or, or just get some more information on, you know, what, what that all entails. All of our classes are, so my website is finesthourllc.com. Uh, our classes are on there. We're pretty heavy on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I tell a lot of people to subscribe. I try to leverage email probably once a week because I know social media is so bad at um, throttling our, our reach. So yeah. I try to like once a week say, hey, these are the classes that are coming up. I'll put it out in an email. Um, I hate being a used car salesman when it comes to classes. My wife forces me to do a lot of the stuff that I do now <laughs> because I'm just like, I, if you like the class, sign up for it. If you don't, don't like, I hate trying to, trying to upsell and, you know, do all that. So, um, I try to leverage email a little bit and then we're getting into YouTube stuff just because, um, I've always wanted to do YouTube. I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, just the idea of doing YouTube is kind of cool. And then being able to, uh, um, which I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of afraid of the comments. <laughs> you see, wow. you see all the YouTube comments. Yeah. Those, those turns and those turn to cesspools pretty quickly, but yeah, right. But, um, yeah, man, this has been awesome. I appreciate you making the time. I know you got a ton going on. Um, I think it was important obviously to have the discussion around, you know, Michigan and the community in general, but, uh, really enjoyed it, man. And, uh, certainly look forward to doing this again in the future. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, sir. And uh, we'll be in touch and uh, stay safe. So a really, really good conversation there. You know, uh, I especially like the part we get into uh, Justin's resume because he makes some really good points about, you know, why I think people overvalue uh, where people have worked or what they did in the military law enforcement. We talk a lot about that. Uh, Very interesting to hear that he's done so much and is so humble about it. And uh, and kind of his unique take in an industry full of people that kind of that throw that stuff around for better or for worse, right? Um, I'm certainly going to try and make it into one of his classes or two of his classes even this year. Uh, and I, I hope anybody listening that's in the Ohio, uh, Indiana, you know, Michigan region, right? You guys seek out Finest Hour as well. <clears throat> this was, you know, by far, I, I didn't expect this to be a bad conversation, obviously. Um, got to talking to Justin, you know, for, I mean, I think it was about two hours almost, uh, offline and everything after this, this interview and just, just outstanding, great guy. You know, I like the way he looks at things, his, his values and what he's trying to do and, and all that, like, it's just, just outstanding. It's another example of how lucky I am with, with the podcast here to connect with some truly exceptional individuals, um, and, and see and, and experience their take on the community and training and fitness and, and more, right? We're all in this together, folks. And, you know, we, we, we only succeed together. Um, and in, speaking of that, if you're still listening, we do have a Patreon page and it's patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. 
if you guys like the content, if you have listened this far because you actually, you genuinely enjoy listening all the way through the podcasts here and you want to support what we're doing, the Patreon is the best way to help support us. Uh, as it stands today, we're actually still not making a profit month to month on on this endeavor. Um, we do have sponsors and it's mostly just free gear, um, <clears throat> which we obviously appreciate, but it does cost money to host this uh this podcast and everything. So if you guys are interested in supporting us with the Patreon's a great way, you get access to some exclusive content, episodes, videos, drills, uh, blog posts, all kinds of good stuff. And that's growing more and more and more uh, as time goes on. So one more thing to think about, but I do I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Uh, Justin's an outstanding guy and like I said at the the intro here, that's where we'll be hosting for the Orion Training Group class uh, at the end of September, their three-day flexible search course, which I am greatly looking forward to and super happy to have you know found such a facility that's able to put everything together for us. Uh, but that's all I got for you guys. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week with another awesome interview, another another great episode for your listening pleasure. But until that time, you guys get out there work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. 